and we're gonna call Dr. Jack Caravelli. We're getting them both on. Let's see what happens here. <laughs> Hello? Hey, Larry, how are you, my friend? Hey, James. We, uh, we have got Larry Tracy with us today. He joins us live here in our broadcast, and, uh, we are also going to uh, try to pull in Dr. Jack Caravelli here and have a uh, interesting conversation just uh, back and forth with everybody today here on our big program. Thanks for joining us here on iHeartRadio and, of course, AMFM 24. There's Dr. Jack. How are you, my friend? Okay. Very busy week with uh, news going on, huh? Yes, yes. I want to start with Larry. Um, uh, Larry, uh, what, what, what do you want to talk about here first? Well, I, I think one of the hottest things right now is what's going on in Venezuela. Uh, it seems to be a stalemate, but it, it simply cannot continue at this uh, rate. There's something going to have to break. Uh, the Secretary of State Pompeo said uh, my daughter the other day was on a plane ready to fly to Havana, and the Russians told him, get off the plane. Uh, so uh, there's going to be a talk coming up in the next uh, few days between Pompeo and the uh, Russian foreign minister, and I imagine that's going to be the number one subject. But um, at this point, uh, this, we're really at an inflection point right now with, with Venezuela because something's got to go. The uh, young soldiers who are being ordered to fire tear gas and other and, and actually run into people with their armored personnel cars, uh, their, their families are the ones that are starving. It's the generals who are the ones that are making money. This is a bunch of crooks, these generals. And I've been to Venezuela a number of times. This, uh, as I told you, was my, uh, Latin America was my specialty when I was in the Army. And I've been there a lot of times, and I knew a lot of Venezuelan officers. Uh, but uh, these guys are, are just thugs. They're making tremendous money off of drugs, and they're tied in. And now there's a talk that, well, maybe there'll be amnesty for them. That would be a... A, a terrible thing to give them amnesty, but that may be the one thing it has to do to break it so that they pull away from Maduro. But as I've, I've said repeatedly on this program, James, the key is the lieutenants and the captains, the platoon leaders and the company commanders. They're the ones that are, their families are hurting as well, and they're not high enough in their rank to, to get into the corruption. So there's got to be an appeal to them to just tell the generals and the colonels to just stuff it. And we're going with Guaido. So. <laughs> now, now, Dr. Jack, what, what, what do you make of uh, Larry's comments there? Well, well I think they're well made, James. Um, it is, uh, I think it's been clear for quite some time that the Maduro regime is, you know, it, it is corrupt. I mean, it's morally bankrupt. And, you know, it has turned Venezuela, which, you know, has enormous um, energy wealth. It's, you know, that corruption has turned Venezuela into, into just a... You know, another failed state. The, you know, I think the what we need to realize is the, uh, you know, the, the the Trump administration does not seem to have a good fix or understanding of the current state of play, and I appreciate that it fluctuates probably by the hour. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure that there's, you know, a, a real policy other than the, you know, the goals that. Maduro be replaced by uh, by Guaido, uh, which I think would be a very very good thing. Uh, you know we you know we've tried sanctions, we've sort of threatened to some extent military action, but um, uh, right now Maduro seems to be hanging on, and in, until we find a, a real path forward with or without Russian cooperation, it 
it could indeed be the stalemate that uh, you know that he described. No, I agree, I agree with that. And one of the points that I think the administration did a good job, and I, I'm sure I, I agree that I'm not sure what the pulse is, but the other day when they said going to put very very heavy sanctions on Cuba because Cuba and Cuban officers are the ones that are providing the backbone to the uh, generals and there and they've and Cuba's got to come to the conclusion that supporting Venezuela and Maduro at this point is going to be something negative for them and that's where they have to pay a heavy cost so I think those sanctions should be on as Trump said very very heavy one, one point I was watching a um, a retired Army colonel who was very, I think his name is McGregor, who was on uh, television the other night, and he was saying what a disaster this is. But he was saying that if we continue this way, we're going to wind up with, with Guaido. We're going to wind up supporting Venezuela, and it's going to cost us billions. It's almost as if he didn't understand that Venezuela has the highest uh, reserve of oil in the world, and it's not Haiti. So... Uh, there's, it's not going to be an economic basket case if we get in there, but we can, of course, if we get Guaido in and Maduro out, then a lot of the, of the very intelligent and capable engineers who, who can run that oil industry will come back. They're leaving right now for obvious reasons. Uh, that's why I say this, is, this week is an inflection point. It's critical. If Maduro is able to survive this, and I, I don't see how he can, uh, that this is just going to continue to be a stalemate for the next few weeks. Do Dr. Jack, uh, you've just returned from Saudi Arabia. G give us an update on, on what's going on over there and everything in the Middle East. Uh, I, I did. Um, the interesting thing about uh, watching it, you know, we've, uh, we and other you know, and European countries have had a great deal of heartburn recently over the uh, the senseless killing of Khashoggi, the Washington Post journalist, uh, that happened that happened in Turkey back in the fall. But I think as you you look at Saudi Arabia, uh, you know it's quite clear, James, now that uh, their economy is is doing better. Uh, they had struggled the past couple of years as energy prices had been low. Uh, the the first quarter of of this year, uh, their budget was was in the black, that's a surplus. Uh, part of that is uh, oil energy prices have been uh, going up. I think we see that at the pump. And it's not because of anything the Saudis have done, ironically. It's because of American actions. Number one, um, uh, toward Iran, you know, we're, we continue to tighten the uh, financial, the sanctions, screws on, on others, other nations that, um, you know, are trying to import uh, mostly from Asia, uh, Iranian oil, uh, that's driving the price up. And then the, as we were just talking, the uh, situation in Venezuela, again, another uh, major uh, oil-producing and exporting country, uh, you know, is contributing to the, to the shortfall as well. So probably on the international energy market, uh, on a daily basis right now, there's uh, probably at least a couple million barrels per day that aren't reaching the market, and that's, you know, supply and demand. It's a classic. Uh, and the, the Saudis are backfilling some of that gap, and, but the rising oil prices have benefited them a great deal. I think if you uh, talk to them in sort of their quieter moments, they will tell you that, you know, what happened with uh, Khashoggi was uh, 
you know, not only a tragedy, but a, you know, but a, but a bad mistake. Uh, I think they still have uh, sort of positive feelings toward the West. You know, we've, for various reasons, including oil, we've been in, uh, we've had uh, strong relations with the Saudis really since uh, FDR's uh, time in the 1940s. Uh, so it, it's interesting to see the, uh, for the first time, women are driving in, in Riyadh, and I won't make any editorial comment on that except to say it's, uh, uh, it's very interesting to be a uh, Westerner who obviously has spent a lifetime watching, you know, women drive in our country, but watching the, the Saudi women for the first time ever over the last few months trying to, you know, navigate these massive SUVs. There's no such thing as a small SUV in Saudi Arabia. Uh, and it's, it, it's quite a scene. So, you know, slowly the, you know, the kingdom is, is changing. The, the ruler is young. He has things to learn. Uh, but, um, you know, it's probably in the long-term interest of the United States to, you know, encourage good relations with the Saudis. And, um, you know, when we have things that concern us, we should say that. But, you know, they are still a strategic partner uh, in the Middle East, and it was certainly interesting to be over there. We've got Larry Tracy with us today. We've also got Dr. Jack Caravelli, and uh, both of these guys uh, are extremely, extremely uh, well-gifted speakers. Both have incredible books. We'll talk about those here in just a few. Uh, Larry, another uh, hot item is this uh, Trump obstructed justice. Uh, Talk to us about this Judge Knapp, this Fox conservative Republican, says that uh, he did it. Uh, Talk to a little bit about this. Well, I, we've, I think uh, there is the potential for a tremendous television program, a debate, and that would be between Judge Napolitano on Fox News, who is a conservative Republican who says Trump has definitely obstructed justice. Then on the other side, you've got a liberal Democrat, Professor Alan Dershowitz, who said Trump did not obstruct justice. And I would think Fox would have a writings bonanza if they got the two of them on for an hour-long debate. That would be perfectly in accordance with our adversarial process in law, and it would be great television. And then you've got Lindsey Graham, chair of the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee, who has the opinion you cannot obstruct justice if there is no underlying crime. And the crime, the alleged crime, had been collusion with Russia or conspiracy with Russia. So this, this is going to play out. Lawyers have to be uh, looking at this as a wonderful opportunity to argue back and forth how many angels there are on the head of a pin. But that will be uh, one of the key things. The, the, remember, the, the Mueller report, or uh, probe, started with the whole idea of was there a cooperation with the Trump campaign and Russia. And, of course, that came out. He said they couldn't find any at all. In fact, uh, one of the things that they did find out was after Trump surprisingly won the presidency, Putin was scrambling around finding who do we have that can contact Trump. If Trump was an agent of theirs, they wouldn't have much problem. They'd just go to his agent handler. So uh, right now the the drama is going great. And one other point I wanted to bring out here on this, James, Uh, they're now thinking of holding Attorney General Barr in contempt. Well, the Congress, the Republican Congress, held Eric Holder in contempt. The fact that he was withholding documents about the Fast and Furious campaign 
in which weapons were sent down in some sort of a trick to be able to trace them, and they fell into the wrong hands. And a border control agent was murdered with one of those weapons. Uh, I think that's a little more serious. The Obama Justice Department then cleared him. So uh, it's a drama. It's almost a mirror image of what happened before. But this is going to play out. This is a great political theater that is going on right now. And uh, sides are forming up, and it's very predictable. Republicans are completely in favor of what Barr is doing, and the Democrats are saying he's a disgrace and he should resign. So uh, keep tuned, as we say. Now, Dr. Jack, uh, listening to there, listening to Larry, what, what, what do you make of all this? Well, I mean, you know, his summary was was spot on. I mean, there's clearly a major divide, and sometimes, some cases, it's ironic. He mentioned uh, Dershowitz and Napolitano. Uh, and there is a major divide over wh- whether justice was obstructed. What what I would add is, is simply, James, that you know the only view right now that really matters on the on the legal question, and it's a political issue as well, of course. But on the legal side, the only view that matters is right now is the attorney general uh, Barr, and you know he, he has clearly said that you know in, in his professional judgment, and he's a pretty damn good lawyer. Uh, you know, there was not obstruction of justice, or at least uh, what the lawyers say that the, the Trump actions, although they were troubling, certainly some of them mentioned in the Mueller report, that it didn't rise, as the lawyers would say, to the, um, you know, to being a crime that certainly anyone could be prosecuted on, and almost certainly not the, um, you know, the, the, the um, uh, you know, the president as well. But again, uh, the, the attorney general really has the only say and final say. And right now, uh, you know, Trump is out of legal jeopardy. They, you know, the, the Democrats are still wrestling with the question of should he be impeached. Uh, you know, I think they, in their heart of hearts, know that's a, probably a losing battle. They've, they, of course, could get the votes in the uh, House of Representatives uh, to impeach him, but when it goes to the Senate, uh, you know, they almost certainly would, you know, would, would lose, and, you know, on top of that, uh, as we, you know, sort of head toward the 2020 presidential election, you know, I think it's pretty clear that, you know, at least some of the, the more moderate Democrats, if there is, there, isn't, there is even such a thing these days, you know, understand that, you know, trying to impeach Trump and failing which, again, they almost certainly would do, um, would lead to, uh, you know, could blow back on them and, you know, certainly not, um, you know, serve their interests politically. So, you know, right now it's, um, you know, Trump probably has the high ground, but, you know, who knows what's going to emerge next. We've got Larry Tracy with us today. We've also got uh, Dr. Jack Caravelli. Both of them join us live here on Skype Audio to uh, discuss some different issues of the day. And uh, before we let all you guys go, I want to start with Larry. Uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, your book and uh, what what people can where people can get it and all that. Well, one of the things on the book, which is now on Amazon uh, as a paperback, and it has a little bit more material than the ebook has. But uh, last week I did a webinar for this veterans group that I've talked about, the veteransinbusinessnetwork.org, and they had uh, a couple of hundred people on that, and it's now posted on their, their website on how to uh, deliver oral presentation to get contracts. And that will become more and more important as we come to the 
closing of the fiscal year in the next few months, and the government will drop countless RFPs, requests for proposal on, and companies will bid on and decide whether it's in their sweet spot or not. Uh, but the, um, the book can be obtained on, on Amazon. Just go to Amazon to books and then bring home the bacon. Uh, I, I'm finding more and more that only people who have been born in the United States and speak English as their first language understand bring home the bacon. I have spoken to a couple of uh, friends who are, speak absolutely perfect English, but English was their second language. One man is with the World Bank and a brilliant man, and he asked what was the title of the book, and I said, Bring Home the Bacon, and I got a blank stare from him. So if I'm going to have that book translated into other languages, I'm going to have to have a different title because it just won't, won't uh, move in that way. But on balance, I, I think it is, um, I hope, from what my intention was, to set up a book that is uh, straight, maybe this is my military background, right by the numbers. This is how you plan, this is how you practice, this is how you present. And not a lot of anecdotal information uh, that I find a little bit too abstract in most of the books on presentation skills. But um, one of the things that I'll be doing in the, in the near future, we'll be doing a series of podcasts. I've never done a podcast in my life. Uh, this program is good practice for it, I think. So that they, uh, that will be uh, focused on on that, on getting people to see how they can do it. And uh, final thing I would say, on I think the the ability to articulate, the ability to persuade, is simply the most important skill a person can have. And a lot of times we simply don't get that in school. We don't really learn how to make a presentation. And I hope that that's what this book will do for people to help them be able to be much more successful through the spoken word. Fantastic. And thanks for the opportunity for the plug, James. Definitely. Now, uh, Dr. Jack, you've got a uh, fantastic new book out there about cybersecurity. Tell, tell the audience about it. We do. James, like, like most things in life, if you want to acquire it, it's under my name on Amazon. Uh, the title is Cyber, Cybersecurity, Threats and Responses for Government and Business. Uh, it, it, it's been doing very well. We've had great feedback. Uh, the... The interest in the topic uh, is, you know, as you and I have discussed uh, various times, uh, frankly, is white hot. Uh, so the so we're pleased by that, and you know, we've tried to uh, write it in a way that, you know, is really accessible. It's not a heavy uh, technical book. Uh, you know, I've got a good co-author, Nigel Jones, uh, who's, who's a good friend and has been doing cyber issues for at least the last 20 years. And, um, you know, we, we, we had fun doing it, and I hope that, you know, some of your listeners will, you know, have fun uh, giving, it a, giving it a read. And, uh, you know, again, I, I joined Larry and thanking you for the plug. Definitely. Well, uh, thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate you making time for us today, and uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Appreciate it. Thanks, James. Okay, thank All you, back. James. Thank you, guys. There he goes, Dr. Jack Carabelli, and, of course, uh, Larry Tracy. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we have got more Faith Johnson coming up. 